0: Why should I be frightened of dying? There's no reason for it. You better go sometime. Hello, welcome to the Decoding Death podcast. Thank you very much for listening. So, I thought I might do a smaller episode here while I'm trying to pick the next topic to dive into a bit more deeply. And I've often quoted from a book titled On Dreams and Death by Marie-Louise von Franz in several of the past episodes. And so I thought it might be a good idea to perhaps read a chapter from this book as it's one of my favorites and very crucial to me in why I started doing this podcast. The main thesis of this show is to try to find ways for each of us to be able to have an answer to the question of what happens to us when we die. I don't believe that reading somebody's near-death experience or experience of death is enough proof for each of us to believe that there's a life after death, I don't think that's sufficient. Because it's that person's experience. It doesn't belong to us, it just belongs to them. And for them alone, it is a, a window into what happens after death. And so where does that leave us? What, what can we each do without having to die before our time? This book on dreams and death was very important to me because it laid out a way that each of us wouldn't have to have an NDE to know what happens after we die, that perhaps if we could look objectively at the images and symbols of our dreams, that it would tell us something about the question of life after death, if we could understand that symbolic language, then perhaps in our own experience, in our own dreams, that we could see something that suggests the continuation of life after death. And that would be our own evidence for each of us personally, and it belongs to no one else but, but the person who had the dream. And that is a way to bypass having to take things on faith, having to trust someone's NDE account or or just have an atheistic, agnostic point of view that death is just death and that's it. A dream is an objective process which happens to you, which you do not choose. So you can look at it objectively as a statement of nature. And if nature says that Something happens after we die, that something continues, then that can be the basis of your belief in life after death. So, in this book, von Franz lays out multiple motifs and patterns that she has come across in researching and studying the dreams of people who were in the process of dying. And their dreams often revealed certain. Certain motifs and suggestions, which she amplifies using the religious and spiritual beliefs of cultures around the world, why certain societies and cultures had particular traditions and rituals around death and what to do with the body, how to prepare the body, how to bury it, things like that. Because all of those ritualistic gestures that were taken around death, of lighting a candle to letting the body sit for three days or something. All of those things had a symbolic meaning. And Marie-Louise von Franz, one of the most well-known Jungian psychoanalysts, noticed a connection between the symbolic meaning of some of these burial rituals, death rituals from cultures and tribes around the world, and patterns and motifs which she noticed in the dreams of dying patients. One pattern that von Franz picked up on was that death is often like a birth process, like a passage, and this is something we often see in at least Western near death experiences with imagery of a tunnel. That's one of the things that she mentions in this chapter that not only are there birth motifs in some of these dying people's dreams, but also a a passage through darkness, which perhaps is akin to the so called void which people report in NDEs. And that this darkness is often met with a feeling of futility or despair, a depression of sorts. And all throughout navigating all these ideas, von Franz is going to keep it connected to the psychological language, to understanding what these things might represent within us psychologically. And she's going to cover a lot of range throughout this chapter from Greek thought on particular configurations of death to the I Ching, a Chinese oracle book to the Egyptian death liturgy. She's even going to talk about the particular construction and configuration of death chambers and burial chambers and what that might represent, what that might symbolize. And all the while, she is going to be Connecting this material with the dreams of people who are actually in the process of dying, or about to die. So with that little introduction out of the way, I think it is now time to begin reading. This is The Dark Birth Passage in the Spirit of Discouragement, a chapter from On Dreams and Death, by Marie-Louise von Franz. Quote, the image of a dark, narrow birth passage also belongs among those archetypal motifs which anticipate the course of death. In the Camarios text, the production of gold, or the stone of the wise, was represented as taking place through a pregnancy and the birth of a child. This is a late motif that runs through many centuries of alchemical tradition. Similar to the birth image is another motif in the Camarios text, the suggestion that adepts should treat their material like a bird which, quote, hatches its eggs in mild warmth. This idea also occurs over and over again in the alchemical texts. From the beginning of time, antique man wondered with fascination how an egg, which when opened contains only half-liquid, dead substances, could still produce a living being, only by being warmed and without the help of any external agent. The alchemists compared the production of their stone to this, quote, miracle. The I Ching, the Chinese oracle book, provides a parallel to this, which seems to me worth mentioning. It concerns the description of a time condition called chung fu, inner truth. Richard Wilhelm comments, quote, The character fu, truth, is actually the picture of a bird's foot over a fledgling. It suggests the idea of brooding. An egg is hollow. The light-giving power must work to quicken it from the outside, but there must be a germ of life within if life is to be awakened." End quote. In a similar manner, and in this case certainly without any cultural transfer, the alchemist Gerhard Dorn 16th century, called the innermost soul, self of man, an inner truth, and he looked upon alchemical work as a, quote, hatching out of this truth from physical matter. Birth symbolism is especially and intensively elaborated in the Egyptian death liturgy. Thus, in Rubric 170 of the Book of the Dead, we read, quote, Shake off the earth which is in your flesh, you are Horus and his egg. Or Rubric 85, quote, I am the heightened, the lord of the Tatebu. My name is the boy in the place, the child in the field or quote i am yesterday my name is he who has seen millions of years i am the lord of eternity i am the one in the ujad eye i am the one in the egg with it life is given to me or quote i enter the world from which i emerged after having renewed my first birth it is true that this last rubric concerns the sun god but every dead person repeats the fate of the god and, like the sun, is reborn as a child and hatched out as a bird. To date, I have only heard once of such a birth motif in the dream of a dying person. This was the case of a 74-year-old woman who died from carcinoma metastases. She had the dream just two weeks before her death. She had been very ill the day before, Yet she made such seemingly futile effort to bring some order into her outer affairs. As a result, she developed painful stomach cramps, after which she dreamed, quote, She was lying across the opening of a cement pipe, about one meter wide, whose upper edge pressed painfully against her stomach. The pipe itself was stuck into the earth. She knew that she had to emerge from it headfirst and intact into another land. Quote. Upon awakening, her association for that other land was a land of dwarves and spirits, of which she had previously dreamed. The later dream seems to me to express the following. The pipe appears as a birth passage into another existence. The dreamer was supposed to go through it head-first, like an infant when it is being born. For that moment, however, she lies across it, because she is still engaged with the concern of this world and resists the dark passage. The land into which she is supposed to be born is the land of dwarves and spirits, psychological language for the collective unconscious which indeed has always been, and still is, under our world of consciousness, even when we do not notice it. The physicians Raymond Moody and Michael Sabom, and the theologian Johann Christoph Hump, report similar passage motifs in their respective works. They deal with cases of heart failure, after which patients were, quote, brought back to life, artificially. Most of these patients describe their experience as one of being in a very happy state, but quite often some of them have to first go through something resembling a short blackout or through a dark valley or tunnel before they could arrive at a new state of existence. A clinically dead woman who was reanimated by means of an adrenaline injection described her experience in the following terms, I was floating in a long tunnel, which at first seemed quite narrow, then became wider and wider. It was dark red over me and blue-black in front of me. However, the higher I looked, the brighter it became. The feeling of weightlessness was wonderful. End quote. Another case, quote. I found myself again inside a dark, spiral-shaped tunnel. At the far end of the tunnel, which was very narrow, I saw a bright light. Quote. When obliged to return to life by medical treatment, some of these patients reported that they had to come back through the same tunnel by which they departed. One can also dream of the death of another person as a departure through such an obstacle. Thus a woman dreamed the following before the death of her father. Quote, I am in an underground station, and I suddenly discover my father among the people waiting for a train. He does not seem to notice me, but walks on ahead. He is wearing a dark blue suit, and looks very well, a bit thinner than before. I follow him, but the great distance between us always remains the same, whether I go faster or slower. He is not to be reached. Suddenly I see him disappear in front of a bright wall at the end of the tunnel. He walks through the wall and where he had been there appear small things that are difficult for me to recognize from the distance. Then I meet my mother. She says that she saw father disappear and that many rabbits fell out of the wall at that spot. I tell her that rabbits are a symbol of fertility and that I find it meaningful that death, too, is still fertile. End quote. The dream speaks for itself. The rabbits indicate that the father's death will bring the dreamer's psychological growth in her own life. Death is described in dreams sometimes not as a tunnel passage, but as a heavy, dark spot which spreads out and hangs over the dreamer or as a cloud which completely obliterates all view of the outer world. The last dream of the dying woman whose case David Eldred has given us in his dissertation contains the motif of a resistance to this darkness, for she had to exert a great effort not to fall into a calm, deep mountain lake. This probably also characterizes the fear of blackout at the moment of death, or perhaps still deeper a fear of becoming unconscious, together with the loss of ego identity. A young woman suffering from an incurable disease who died unexpectedly during a surgical operation dreamed before the lethal intervention, I find myself at the edge of a lake with my husband and some friends. The lake is very deep and the water is clear, transparent, clean, and blue. Suddenly I see a black bird in the depths of the lake. It is dead. I feel great sympathy and want to dive in, search for it and save it. I cannot stand to think that it is dead. My husband intervenes lovingly but firmly and asks me not to do it because he says it is right this way. I look into the lake once more and see the eye of the bird. It is a diamond that shines brightly, whereupon I awaken. End quote. The dead bird must be the extinguished life spirit of the body, which the dreamer must abandon, otherwise she would be contaminated with the dissolving powers of death. She must keep herself free of the dying body, but at the same time she looks at the diamond eye of the bird, the diamond from Adamas, Invincible is an alchemical variant of the self as an indestructible core of personality the woman whose active imagination given earlier centered around a flower reported the following dream the last before her death quote she had a black spot in her eye if it should ever reach the center of the eye she would feel a short acute pain but mrs x would help her to endure it This black spot, as later became evident, was death, which darkens the eyes, that is, puts an end forever to all the sight of the outer world. Mrs. X was a woman for whom the dreamer had great respect, and who had a greater psychological knowledge than the dreamer, so that in this case, she stands for the self, which helps her through the painful passage. We frequently find indefinite darkness as a death image in the literature of antiquity. The Greek thanatos, death, was often imagined as a dark black or purple-red cloud, or as a patch of fog which darkens the eyes. Thanatos is often more impersonal than the so-called keres, those fateful personal death demons that carried away the dying person. Thanatos rarely appears personified. If so, then as a serious, spirited, winged man who takes the dying into his arms in a not unfriendly manner. The dark spot as a death motif appears in a dream, reported by Mark Pelgrin, of a woman who died shortly afterward, quote, As I seem to awaken, I see a colored circle which is thrown on the screen of the curtain that hangs down in front of the window in our bedroom. I am walking gingerly around this circle, which seems to be black, as though I must tread carefully or I will fall in. This is evidently a pit, the black hole. End quote. The circle is an image of the self. In the dream, it is colored, that is, full of life, but appears black when the dreamer comes close to it like a black hole which she would anxiously like to avoid. Paradoxically enough, in coming close to the self there emanates from it an attraction to it, and at the same time, a fear of it. The fear of death is thereby in the last analysis a fear of the self, and of the final inner confrontation with the self. The dream of an individual who died a few days afterward was reported as follows, in the middle of a picture I see a black square. It is a kind of medieval night chest. Flashes of red light stream from it. These flashes point to a sky, painted in pastel colors, mostly yellow and blue, with a radiant sun on the upper right side of the picture. End quote. The night chest is reminiscent of a coffin, the place of one's final sleep. But out of it come flashes of light, that is, symbols of sudden illumination, pointing to a pale blue sky, a common image of the beyond, and to the sun, a symbol of the cosmic source of the light of consciousness. The flashes also remind us of Origen's concept of resurrection as a spent an emission of sparks from the corpse, the departure of the soul from the dead body. In Islamic tradition, the deceased must cross over the so-called Sirat Bridge, thinner than a hair, sharper than a sword, and darker than the night. But the pious get there quickly like a flash of lightning. The night chest in the above dream seems to be a variant of the dark passage. The dark passage is frequently depicted directly and concretely in the architecture of tombs. Emily Vermeule reports that Mycenaean graves represent a model for the general geography of the land of the dead, Hades. There is first a downward passage, dromos, and then a narrow gap, stomion, mouth, and then the high, wide grave chamber, Tholamos, bridal chamber. The grave chamber itself is like a womb in the earth, which the dead enter to await rebirth. Shaft graves found in many excavation areas may be closely connected with the symbol of the dark birth passage. This symbol, which essentially points to a purely psychic experience of a temporary confinement, of fear, of blackout, is thus mixed in in an archaic way with the idea of the concrete grave or coffin. In ancient Egypt, the grave was also designed as a cave in which the process of rebirth occurs in the groundwater. The shaft tunnel of a king's grave was described as, quote, a cave of Sokar, the mythical place of the rejuvenation and rebirth of the dead. In many parts of Africa, corpses are still buried in a crouching or embryonic position. With the Zulus, for instance, the widow of the dead man receives his body on her lap in the grave then puts it into a niche which is called the navel. She places seeds in his hands, which will prepare the deceased for rebirth. After some time, the dead body is brought back to the village as the, quote, spirit of the ancestors, where it bestows fertility and protection onto the living. The Hopi Indians of North America believe that the soul of the deceased goes through a small square cavity the so-called Sapapu, which leads to the Kiwa buildings. This cavity has the connotation of a sacred place and is regarded as the place of origin, that opening through which the Hopi tribe came up from the depths to the surface of the world. The dark birth event as psychic experience is described in the Kamarios text, to which we now return. Quote, observe the mystery of the philosophers on behalf of this mystery our forefathers have sworn not to reveal it or propagate it for it has a divine form and a divine effect it is divine because having become one with the deity it perfects the substance whereby the spirits are incarnated and the dead person is reanimated and receives again the spirit pneuma which had issued from it, and is conquered thereby, and they, spirit and body, conquer each other. For the dark spirit is so full of futility and discouragement that the bodies cannot become white and cannot receive the beauty and the color which they have obtained from the Creator, for body, soul, and spirit are weakened because of the spread-out darkness. The initial darkness in the beyond, Hades, is here called the spirit of futility and the spirit of discouragement. This is a condition of very deep depression and a feeling of complete meaninglessness. Thanatos, death, is often referred to in ancient Greece as Thymorastes, he who strikes down the thymos. Thymos is the courage to face life or the life impulse. Kubler-Ross has described this depression in many cases of dying people, in whom it appears, of course, before the actual end. In my opinion, it serves to help detach the consciousness of the dying person from the outer world. The latter is experienced in the depression as more or less meaningless, futile, unreal. In the above dream, It is the eyes which are affected by the dark fog, as they are to be understood as symbolizing one's view of the outer world, which must now be terminated in favor of a complete about-face toward the inner images. The spirit of discouragement is related to the fact that the ego still looks too much toward the outside, at the visible world, and does not yet sufficiently see the reality of the soul. Krista Meves reports the dream of a totally irreligious woman who was committed to a rationalistic, materialistic attitude toward the world. Her dream makes very clear this spirit of meaninglessness. Quote, I am standing quite confused inside a courtyard. There is no exit. On one side of the yard are garbage men who say that I cannot get out of the yard because it is a machine for demolishing cars. Another man thinks that there is a revolving door through which he can get me out. But I am afraid that it might be a trap, so I remain in the yard and walk in circles along the walls. I behave like the others, like a pedestrian, but inside I am tortured by the fear of not being able to find my home. End quote. Since this woman consciously recognized no inner spiritual values, she remained identical with her body. But as the dream reports, in rough language, the body goes straight to a garbage dump. In present-day dreams, a car often symbolizes the body, our customary way of moving around in the outer world. The dreamer is afraid of going through the revolving door, which in this instance replaces the otherwise usual tunnel passage. Characteristically enough, it is a revolving door. If she tried to go through it, it would revolve around a center, about 180 degrees. A turnaround would therefore come about if she would only summon up enough trust to follow the man who offers her help. But she thinks it is a trap. That is, she thinks like so many people, religious traditions are only quote, opium for the people, or wish-fulfillment dreams. As a result, she remains a slave to the spirit of futility and goes around on one spot in an unfortunate vicious circle. This gloomy image reminds one of some of the experiences reported by Moody, in which his witnesses are said to have spent some time in a kind of in-between region where shadowy spirits of the dead wandered about mindlessly. Quote, what you would think of as their head was bent downward. They had sad, depressed looks. They seemed to shuffle. They looked washed out, dull, gray. And they seemed to be forever shuffling and moving around, not knowing where they were going, not knowing who to follow or what to look for. They seem to be very bewildered, not knowing who they are or what they are. It looks like they have lost any knowledge of who they are, what they are, no identity whatsoever. End quote. This gloomy picture of life after death agrees, much more than do those experiences of light also described by Moody, with the numerous stories from all over the world of hauntings, of ghosts and of the spirits of the dead. In our experience of dreams, too, the beyond of the unconscious is very seldom represented by beautiful images. Equally often, dreams present oppressive scenes. What seems to be decisive is how psychologically mature a person is before death, and whether or not he or she has developed a relationship with the self. This turnaround is consolingly described in a dream of an old woman, reported by Dr. J. Dunn. Quote, she sees a candle lit on the windowsill of the hospital room and finds that candle suddenly goes out. Fear and anxiety ensue as the darkness envelops her. Suddenly, the candle lights on the other side of the window and she awakens. End quote. The patient died the same day, completely at peace. The dream passage here contains an element of momentary fear and anxiety. Somehow, the candle gets through the closed window to the other side, as if it had dematerialized and then materialized again in another place. The moment of depression and fear is quite short in this instance. In some dreams, it lasts much longer. The dark passage is represented in other dreams as a journey to the west, to the place of the setting sun. Not only in the widespread custom of shipboard burial, in which the corpse is sent out to sea in a boat, is death conceived of as a journey to an unknown land, generally situated in the west. In my experience, the image of the journey in dreams is also the most frequently occurring symbol of impending death. It is so frequent, in fact, that it will not be dealt with to any great extent here. An old woman, for instance, dreamed shortly before her death, quote, I have packed two suitcases, one with my working clothes, the other, a trans-Europe suitcase, with my jewelry, my diaries, and my photos. The first is for the mainland, the other for America, end quote. Over there in the Westland, she may not be able to take along her everyday attitude, her working clothes, but she can take her inner psychic treasures. This motif also appears in a case reported by Whitmont of a woman who was doomed to die. She dreamed, quote, I met my husband, who told me that everything would be alright and that I need not worry. I then bade him goodbye. And found myself at the seashore. The beach was lonely and the light was darkening. The shore was empty except for some barges. End quote. We find the motif of the journey most extensively, however, in the Egyptian cult of the dead, where the Ba souls of the blessed complete their journey with the sun god in his bark. The journey to the beyond follows the path of the sun. It begins with a descent into the underworld, into the cave of Sokar, and leads through various obstructed areas to the east, where the deceased, together with the sun god, returns to life rejuvenated. He then leaves his mummy behind in the underworld, and in his Ba form accompanies the sun god who has been reborn in the east. The sun, as the goal of the pathway of the dead, also appeared in the above dream of the black night chest. It symbolizes the highest awareness as the goal of the individuation process. The directional burial orientation of numerous ancient and still existing cultures also points to this idea, namely that the resurrection is at the same time something like a new sunrise. This comparison of the sun's path with the mystery of life and death has had an especially rich development in Egypt. The sun for the Egyptians was the guarantor of all order. Night, darkness, and death are therefore dangerous for man because they have to do with the world before and outside creation, and that means outside of order. In this non-order, which the Egyptian bluntly calls non-being, human life is not possible, as it is not possible without the sun. Thus, it was finally the sun, which, as a symbol of the new life after death, the Egyptians served with the utmost seriousness and with enormous material and intellectual expenditure. Seen psychologically, then, the sun is a symbol of the source of awareness. The cosmic significance of becoming conscious, one might say, became apparent to Jung during his travels in Africa. Quote, At that time, I understood that within the soul from its primordial beginnings, there has been a desire for light, and an irrepressible urge to rise out of the primal darkness. When the great night comes, everything takes on a note of deep dejection, and every soul is seized by an inexpressible longing for the light. That is the pent-up feeling that can be detected in the eyes of the indigenous, and also in the eyes of animals. There is a sadness in animals' eyes, and we never know whether that sadness is bound up with the soul of the animal, or is a poignant message which speaks to us out of that still unconscious existence. That sadness also reflects the mood of Africa, the experience of its solitudes. It is a maternal mystery, this primordial darkness, That is why the sun's birth in the morning strikes the indigenous as so overwhelmingly meaningful. The moment in which light comes is God. That moment brings redemption, release. To say that the sun is God is to blur and forget the archetypal experience of that moment. We are glad that the night when the spirits are abroad is over now, the locals will say but that is already a rationalization. In reality, a darkness altogether different from natural night broods over the land. It is the psychic primal night which is the same today as it has been for countless millions of years. The longing for the light is the longing for consciousness. End quote. For the Egyptian, participation in the life of the sun meant, therefore, Participation also in the increasing process of becoming conscious and of the evolving culture of man. This meaning of light also lies behind the widespread custom of lighting candles and antiquity torches and letting them burn in mortuary rooms and on tombs and graves. This is a form of analogy magic through which new life and an awakening to new consciousness is granted to the deceased. So that was the Dark Birth Passage in the Spirit of Discouragement by Marie-Louise von Franz. I thought it was a fascinating read and one that I wanted to share with you all, because I hope what comes across is this process that I've been trying to describe of to look at material and content of dreams as containing something that is not coming from you, that you're not making up, you're not choosing, you're not putting it together, it just is. It's coming from nature, biology, wherever you want to place it. But that has meaning and that's something that each of us can take as our own evidence, If we can understand what it's suggesting, if we can speak that language. And here, according to von Franz, the symbolic language that is being spoken is one of a motif of a passageway or passage through death to a different world, a different life. And that this is often a passage through darkness and is associated with despair discouragement futility and the way she describes these dark feelings these this depression that is often seen in dying people is that it serves to disconnect one from the world and to prepare us for the next one and i thought this chapter with its material was very interesting and perhaps a prelude in the future I may do an episode which focuses on the imagery and symbolism of tunnels, one of the most common and ubiquitous features of near-death experiences, at least in the West. There is evidence that in non-Western NDEs, tunnels are much less frequently depicted. And so this motif this pattern of of passing through darkness, of going through a passage, even von Franz mentions the tunnels of NDEs in this chapter. But there's so much more material that's accessible than just sticking to NDEs. We can look at cultures, we can look at traditions and rituals, we can look at people's beliefs, or we can look at our own dreams. Ultimately, I hope that all of this is in the service of reconnecting us with our own inner psychological life and hearing what it has to say. Just as an example from this chapter, the one patient's dream of seeing a candle go out in their room and then having a a brief moment of panic and fear until seeing the candle reappear lit on the other side of a window. That just speaks for itself. And von Franz writes that that woman died completely at peace not too long after. And although that dream took place in a context where death was imminent, if you or I were to have a dream like that, Do you think that we would be able to take something from it? Would we be able to understand what it was suggesting? If we earnestly ask the question to ourselves, to God, to Psyche, what happens after we die? Perhaps there's an answer which is given. And it would probably take a symbolic form like this Dying person's dream. All it requires is for us to be humble and sincere and curious and not to overlook our dreams like so many of us often do. That's something even I am guilty of at times. It's only natural for us to wake up and almost immediately begin to forget all the experiences we've just had. Throughout the night. But that's just the driving goal of this podcast to try to encourage us to recover that material, that gold that gets tossed out in the morning, and to put that extra effort into looking at what occurs, what happens in our dreams, and then also how to approach understanding the symbolism that dreams tend to speak in, which has resonance with cultural and anthropological ideas, with psychology, with tradition, and and art, and all these various aspects and, and how the human psyche can appear in projected form. Because at the end of the day, the answer we seek may lie hidden in the place we'd least expect to see it. And if I could sum it all up, I would say that the main idea of On Dreams and Death by von Franz is that the dreams of dying people suggest to them that life continues on after death. And that the human psyche, the objective autonomous psyche, which speaks in images and situations and instincts and intuitions, That says that life continues. And then whether each of us believe that or not is up to our own experience and how we interact and relate to our own dream images. It's up to each of us to find our own answer to that question. So I think we will end with that. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time.